heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. Welcome to the Metal Your Podcast. This is another edition of Metal Tales, and uh, this is a very special one. We're going to be talking about Metallica's little club show for 500 people at the Independent in San Francisco, and also a little different because we do not have a patron on this one because there was only one patron that attended the show, and he was not able to do this, so instead we have a, a, a guest who uh, is friends with um, you know, the said patron and uh, got hit up by Edgar Baradas and uh, volunteered and said, hey, I'll do it. So, uh, fortunately, we got someone to talk to the show about, and we have uh, Evan LeBon. So, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, awesome, and great pronunciation of the last name. I get all sorts of versions of that, so. LeBon? A-plus work. Well, well, thank you very much. Um, And I do want to note before we get into this, uh, as we see at the top of all these things, if anyone out there wants to get involved in Metal Tales and talk about a show they've been to in the past or in the future, uh, hop on the Patreon train, patreon.com slash Podcast. You'll hear a commercial for at the end of the episode, uh, but this is a, some, some of the fun, cool shit you get to do. You get to talk to me or Clint and talk about your experience, and uh, fortunately, we have Evan here who attended the show, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this, man. We can we can kind of get right into it, um, but maybe give people a brief, uh, a brief history on uh, how you got into the band. Yeah, for sure. So first of all, thanks for having me, and I know it's... Uh... I know it's a different setup, right? You were expecting someone else. So I'm happy to be the stand-in, <laughs> the stunt double for this. Um, no, yeah, I got into Metallica. I remember I had a, I was young. I was probably like seven years old, grew up in Minnesota. And I had, uh, you know, like friends with older brothers and they were listening to Metallica. Yeah. And I remember um, in Testament and all the Bay Area thrash, right? Like this, this one older brother of one of my friends was like, exodus testament slayer you know everything and we were listening to kind of all of it in the background via him and then he put on actually the black album um you know so that gives you about the timeline here and basically like that just blew blew our minds like yeah for yeah and and uh from there it just kind of was a a kind of a infatuation like i couldn't really um didn't have you know a ton of money or a ton of time like and you know just had like a tape player yeah sure kid so, you know, I'd save up, save up and go to the record store um, like you would back then because there was no way to get it on Spotify, right? And mm-hmm. just uh, buy a tape. So None of us I had internet when that record came out. <laughs> yeah, l- literally. I mean, the, the internet sites were came afterwards and they were just pictures of Metallica records. That was like right. literally the only thing that was on a fan site back then. So it's crazy. Shows you how old I am, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I, I got into the band that way. And then actually the record that really hooked me was Kill em All. And I mean, I think for many people, it was the cover art, you know, and for me, it was the same thing. It was just like, this shouldn't, I shouldn't listen to this. So I have to listen to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Know? And it's tempting. Um, don't eat, don't eat out of the cookie jar, you know, before dinner. <laughs> don't touch the <laughs> exactly. hot stove. Don't touch the bloody hammer record. So, um, yeah, so I got, I got that out and just listened to it. And it was just, you know, I had some exposure to punk before through, through friends as well. And, and like, listen to some misfits and, um, because that's like a good entry point at that point and sure uh, and that record just was like just had a lot going on but it was so stripped down it was so it was so raw it's, it's um, kind of a punk was, record man it's like a punk yeah. metal thrash record it is right and that's what people say about it now exactly it's kind of obvious now i don't think it was as obvious then but um or i don't know i didn't you know, I didn't, I wasn't as plugged into like the theory about it. I just liked the music. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think I, I made that realization later. Cause I mean, I, I got into, you know, to metal before I got into like punk rock and reggae and stuff. And once I started getting into bands like Rancid or even back, you know, in the seventies, the clash and the Ramones and stuff, that's when it dawned on me. I'm like, man, to kill them all is like a punk record. And those dudes were all into, you know, punk rock bands and stuff. And, you know, new wave of British heavy metal. So that record made a lot of sense, made more sense to me the older I got, you know, especially in like the 90s and, you know, when I was in high school and stuff. 
Yeah. For, well, Rancid, it's interesting you say that because I saw uh, Rancid on a tour with, um, they were playing with Chili Peppers and it was like their Outcome the Wolves and Chili Peppers did like Californication or something and they did like a, a show at the First uh, First Avenue in Minneapolis. What a great era, it. man. Jeez. It was, it was, an, it was still one of the most memorable shows uh, I've been to. And I, I remember coming back after that and thinking like, man, Rancid has this like interesting uh there's like they were they they were tripping me out a little bit because i had never seen them perform and their music is much more raw when it's live right and less produced right like everybody's is and and it just like i started kind of going back through like what what other albums does this remind me of and actually kill them all like got on my list i'm not sure why i made that connection i don't know i guess it's just the <laughs> um, the rawness of a man but, i mean even though outcome the wolves yeah. was produced by jerry finn who has done some amazing records and and even more slick records like Blink-182 stuff. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it has that same attitude. You know, it's just like, yeah. we're, we, you know, this is who we are. You know, yeah, we have a bigger name producer. It's going to sound great. But there's there's still such a rawness to that Rancid record as is, as is Kill em All. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got introduced. And I remember my, my mom was a little bit skeptical. Um, <laughs> as they I, all were. <laughs> here's, here's how I convinced her. I was like, Mom, listen to the intro to Battery. That's the way to do it, man. For real. And it was like classical guitar. And she was like, this is Metallica. And yep. um, so, so that, then, then like, I'm like, wait for it. And then it kicked in and she was like, whoa. So they, you know, that, and I think that was, that like was the chip in the, that like, you know, kind of wedged. Yeah. That's the way to do it. I, I've mentioned uncertainty and, and got me in. Right. For sure, um, man. And, and, so, and we've talked about that on the show a few times, like when you're younger and getting into like heavier bands, you know, like, you know, that stuff to parents is, you know, back then was scary, like a, especially like a Slayer record or something. Yeah. But even well, Metallica, it was, it was like, you know, my parents weren't too, you know, you know, too harsh about what I was listening to. At a certain point, there might have been some concern, like, man, he's only listening to this heavy metal stuff. But it, it was, um, I think I, I probably mentioned this in, in the last couple episodes, but uh, when I my dad was, was more cool about it probably because he's a musician. He's playing guitar his whole life. But when I got the, uh, the album, one of the albums by Apocalyptica, the four cello players was when I showed that to my dad. And that's when he, at least he didn't necessarily care for Metallica, but he was like, wow, I never realized that their music was this deep and, and this, you know, beautiful sounding. If you strip away yeah. all the, the overdriven guitars and huge drums and stuff like that. For sure. And I mean, that's not unlike the blacklist, right? I mean, you've mm -hmm. got all sorts of artists, doing a lot of justice to their songs yeah uh, i think i mean i i'm not i haven't listened to all of it yet because there's what like 58 tracks <laughs> um 53 53 okay <laughs> fair, fair enough um but yeah i i uh i've listened to a lot of it um enough to kind of get a real good flavor for it personally mm -hmm. and and uh it's the, you know yeah it's an interesting thing i actually sent um a link to that to my parents yeah <laughs> just to say hey see there's still there's there's they can still be uh be cool and versatile guys yeah for sure especially when you hear like you know covers by jason isbell or phoebe bridgers you know or, or the good night texas version of, of wolf and man yep. is great yeah. you know oh for sure it's awesome. um I, yeah i love the idea i don't love every cover obviously i mean um they're all good as far as like very talented artists and stuff like that just as far as my taste is concerned there's a couple i'm like that's not really for me but but yeah it, it, it's such a cool thing they did you know um obviously a lot of the trues out there think it's stupid but whatever who cares um True and on will be true and on, man. That's what I say. But yeah, they, you know, it's it's so cool that to put out that many covers, you know, just to like you said, it it, it kind of shows the the diversity of their music. Even though it <clears throat> might just be a metal song, then you hear a, a you know an artist like you know Avi and those dudes in Goodnight Texas doing a Wolf and Man, it's just so beautiful, like this kind of mountain folk version or something, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, so I guess I, I mean I guess to just drive it home, like I got. To, like the thing that really got me into them though so the gateway was like kill them all and my brother's friend and then like kind of saving up for their other records and buying them on tape and then cd eventually and then i got the live shit box yeah cool for my birthday one year and it was like that will actually come back to uh highlight this story about the show oh, this nice. week actually um but yeah, opening that box and going through the videos and seeing the Seattle show and, you know, Mexico City, listening to all that. And, right. Um, again, just the energy and the rawness and sort of the um, just like just the uniqueness of their sound. Mm -hmm. 
um, I think was what really drew them, drew me to them. Yeah. Um, as just kind of like icons, they were just this huge stadium band, but really, and we can talk about this too. They, they were like, they started as like a bar band, like clubs doing yeah. trash, you know, <laughs> to totally, a man. bunch yeah. of teenage kids who felt like outsiders and leather jackets. Yeah. And, and that's why this, you know, the San Francisco show at the independent so cool is that, you know, Every once in a while, and it's usually but when they're promoting a record, they'll do some warm-up shows, you know, like when they did Webster Hall in New York and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah. or when they played the, the Fox ba- Theater in Oakland. Yeah, or when they or when they played the basement in Nashville for a hundred and eighty cap room, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they're they're still those guys at heart, you know. Like if if they weren't, they wouldn't even give a shit about doing shows like this. You know, they'd be like, No, we're not yeah. doing a club. That sounds like a hassle, you know. But I think to them it's like this is where they came from and they still know it. They don't forget their roots, so to speak. Yep. No, yeah, no question. And I think that was one one of the things for me, um, being someone who lives in San Francisco. And, you know, San Franciscans, we like to whine about Metallica. The, the San Francisco fans like to whine about Metallica because <laughs> they're like, they travel all over the place and they have this crazy schedule. And it's like actually challenging for them to come play here, you know, as regularly as we would like to see them. Right, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right, but we also have to know that they got to play for the rest of the world as well. But so there's this kind of like tension there. So it was really cool um, for just for the, the hometown audience. And it really yeah. was like a, a neighborhood show, actually. Yeah, it's um, so cool, man. Well, I mean, shoot, now that we're kind of dipping into it, let's start talking about like, so, you know, everyone knows, everyone saw online, you know, um, screenshots of people's text messages from the bands are leaking out that, <clears throat> hey, guess what? We're doing a show tonight at the Independent San Francisco, limited to 500 people grab 20 bucks and get to the box office now you couldn't get tickets online you had to go down there like an old school show and so so what was that experience to you how'd you find out about it yeah actually i mean this might be i I was telling edgar about the experience and this might be why you wanted me to to join you um so i'm happy to happy to tell you about it i i um i live around the corner from the venue perfect Um, (laughs) before you go on i was thinking about that when i when i saw that it was happening i was like could you imagine if you live like in the neighborhood of the venue like because my my wife's from the Bay Area, she you know she used to live in San Francisco and stuff, and and uh, I showed her where the venue was, and she's like, oh yeah, that's kind of near Hate and blah blah blah, and and I remember thinking like, man, if you lived like within a couple blocks where you could just literally grab twenty bucks and run out of your house to the venue, like you're gonna beat most people there. Yeah, and actually, you know, I mean, that is what happened, I think, in a large way, and I can I can kind of walk you through that, but. Um, yeah, and it had definitely had, that's what happened to me. So I was uh, walking with my wife, who's also a Metallica fan, luckily. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, like we're walking our dog in the morning at 7am. So I actually knew about it earlier. Oh, wow. Um, uh, and, and what we took a different route around the neighborhood than we normally do. And I'm not sure why it was just one of those things where like, let's do a little extra walk. Mm-hmm. So we're walking, walking by the the venue, the independent, and it's, you know, it's a small venue for those who haven't been there. It's, it's really like a 500 capacity nightclub that happens to have awesome sound. Okay. So like really good musicians love to play there. It's hard for them to justify doing it because it's only 500 people. Sure. But, you know, like a lot of people love to play there. Um, and it's one of those places that, I think has launched a lot of careers you awesome. know, to, to get people to be playing like theater and like bigger clubs. It's like, Hey, next you're going to play the Warfield, you know? Yeah. That's exactly the path, right? Or the great American music hall or the Fox. Theater. Yeah, totally. Side note. Uh, yeah. And going back to rancid, uh, one of the best shows I ever saw was rancid at the Warfield. Yeah. Years that, ago. I, I, I don't doubt it. I saw, um, the, sh- the best show I saw at the Warfield actually was like graveyard. Oh, cool. <laughs> and like on glasses and the deadbeats. That was really great. That's um, awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, back, so back to the independent. So basically we're walking by this tiny little venue. It's like nondescript place. You, would, you wouldn't really know it's there unless you knew it's there or been to a show there before. And the regular load in usually happens like, because it's these smaller artists, right? It usually happens at like three. Yeah, 3 for sure. That's how most clubs right. are, yeah. Yeah, and it's like a van with a little horse trailer in the back and they're like going to unload their gear themselves, right? And this was different this morning, 7 a.m. There was a semi-truck, yep. literally semi-trailer parked in front, bunch of black cars kind of circling around. And um, we're, we walk right by the venue entrance, right by the semi-truck. And we're like, something's going on. What's going, what's happening here? And they hadn't removed anything from the marquee yet. So we look up the marquee, it's still Islands, which was the band, I guess, played the night before. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay. So we just like decided to keep walking and we get to the back of the truck and they're literally opening the gate. Mm-hmm. And it was like, cue the angels singing music or whatever. You see the Metallica <laughs> stencil on the road cases? Literally, 
Yeah, that's exactly the the four dudes roll up the back and it's like floor to ceiling semi trailer, the like iconic live shit case. You're like, oh my God. And I was like, I literally turned to my wife and I said, no fucking way. (laughs) So, so you, so at this point, you know, they hadn't announced anything, uh, not even the venue. This is 7 a.m. This is 7 a.m. I'm walking my dog. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was just, you know, we weren't even supposed to be walking that route either, right? It was like just serendipity, I guess. So there's a chance that you were literally the first fan to find out. I might have been the first. And, and, um, yeah, and I like, I kind of ser- snapped a picture. I wasn't really sure. My, my first thought went that they were going to film uh, something. Yeah. You know, but then I'm looking and the, the van is like, the, the trailer is full of gear, like yeah. a full show's worth of, you know, we're not just setting up like a little. And that's actually consolidating for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and then it kept, and I was like, maybe it's a sick joke. <laughs> right. Like maybe it's somebody with has a case and it's just like, I don't understand why they would have a, a, like a real legit looking Metallica sort of road case, but whatever. So they, as I watched them a little bit longer and they're, they continue to pull case after case after case, then come the guitar cases. Yeah. You know, then, and I'm, so my wife turns to me and, and uh, we're just like awestruck. We've been watching them for like two minutes and she just goes, the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Cause you still don't officially know what's happening yet, but obviously they're unloading gear and stuff like that. So they're clearly, they're doing something. Yeah, they're doing something. So we, I mean, I just kind of like looked around. There was some people milling around, and and like I said, kind of this weird black car presence, like limo type stuff going around. And so, I mean, it was pretty clear they were going to play. Yeah. So my my head went to, oh, they do this a lot, right? Like we just talked about, they they tend to try to do these like pop up shows, these secret shows, right? When they can. Um, so I thought maybe that was what's going on here. And but I had work to do, so <laughs> went went inside, and like my brain went on to like how am I going to get into this venue basically? Um, and so I took a break at around 10 and just kind of get the scene report. I was walking around the block Yeah. (laughs) and, uh, yeah, it turns out I ran into some security guys, started talking to them a little bit. They were, everyone was really tight lipped. Like there was definitely an NDA situation. Of course. Yeah. Um, so, and everybody, it was cool. Everybody was respecting that and being very, very good about it. Um, then one, I did run into one guy who was basically like, yeah, you saw the cases, huh? I remember seeing you. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to. There's a semi-truck in front of a tiny venue and there's a bunch of cases that say Metallica. Yes, you know, and they are, they look exactly like the live shit. Right. Box. And, and, and any, like, you know, anybody, it's a public street. It's not like, you know, they, they, they curtained off the sidewalk to, you know, they're not yeah. necessarily being discreet, I guess is what I'm saying. Exactly. And by then, you know, I think there were a couple other folks in the neighborhood that sort of understood what was happening and had asked questions. And I think they were starting to loosen up a little bit because it was, you know, only a couple hours until they were going to open up the box office. Right. Yeah. So, so there was somebody there. I forget who it was. They, they kind of mentioned they were like, watch social media. And so my my head went to. Okay, they're going to do a text to the to the Metallica Club fifth members. They're going to do like a you know, maybe a radio announcement, they're going to do something. And they're either going to send us to a location somewhere else to go buy tickets, or it's going to be online, mm-hmm. or it's going to be at this box office. Right. Right. You're like, um, please be here so I can just run down. <laughs> yeah. So those were like the logical things that my, like went through my head. And so I said, well, I'm going to just go down at like, I had, I luckily had a break actually from one to like three. I didn't have anything on my calendar. Yeah. <laughs> So I just posted, I just went outside and posted up, um, like in front of the venue and just hung out yeah. with people, which was part of the fun. It was like, people started gathering around. Like I met a dude who, um, lives also lives in the neighborhood who is a friend with a bartender at the club next door. He plays in a metal band. Um, that's, that's called Asada Messiah. They play like taco thrash. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they're local here in San Francisco. And I met this guy. He's awesome. Um, now like, I'm going to go see his band in a few weeks when they, when they play again. That's awesome. Um, we, he and I were standing in line. Um, I met another dude at the show, uh, who, who's like George Clinton's uh, grandson. Whoa. Parliament Funk- Funkadelic. That's cool. He's, he's got a metal band as well called God's Weapon, which I've listened to now. It's pretty cool. God's um, Weapon. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of kind of like melodic metal. Let's it's, check them it's, out. Look kind of groovy. Um and uh so he he was pretty cool, but we you know we're all this, these are the 
characters who are standing in line. There was like a bartender from the oyster bar across the street who like was running across the street because somebody had told her and she was like, I got to get in. Yeah. So, so at this <laughs> point know? it's still not announced. There's just people kind of like in the neighborhood that see the cases maybe, or, or, or word spreads like, Hey, Metallica's loaded into this venue. We're not really sure why yet, but maybe they're going to play. So let's just go hang. That's exactly it. So there was this core group of people who kind of knew about it through that channel. And then we're hanging and there's probably like 20 of us in front of the venue. And then, um, and then the announcement like went out, I guess there was an announcement on the radio. Okay. I didn't hear it, but I guess there, there was an announcement on the radio that went out first. Then the text message went out. Then they changed the marquee. <laughs> and then you're like, okay. And we were all like, all right, this is it. So I'm calling in sick the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so basically we just kind of hung out, um, kept our place in line. Everybody was really cool. And it was actually like really kind of mellow, like much more mellow line situation than I thought it would be. Cool. Um, there were people kind of racing around and feeling nervous and like, um, we got the message that it had to be cash. I of course did not have any cash in my wallet. <laughs> yeah. So, so I like went rushed across. Like we got, I got really, this is actually a really lucky moment here because I was in line and had a place and there was a, they had the, the police come sweep the street. So we actually couldn't be on the street. Oh, crazy. So they, like 10 minutes before they were going to actually open the box office. So now there was like a hundred people in line. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so anyway, I like I'm luck, glad I met that that metal guitarist Rob. Yeah, did he hold, hold your hold your spot for you? He held my spot in line, and I went and got I went and got cash for for my ticket, my wife's ticket, and then I wound up uh, being able to get a little bit more. So I helped out another buddy who was in line who didn't have cash. He Venmoed me. So awesome. Uh, so yeah, it was cool. Man, what a cool, cool! I mean, yeah, you haven't gotten in the show yet, and it's it's. I'm just like <laughs> feeling excited for you. Like I'm just I'm just picturing you know you know, a venue down the street from my house called the five spot that, you know, it only holds maybe, I don't know, 200 people or something like that. I just couldn't imagine if I was like, and th I pass that venue like almost every time I drive home and I couldn't imagine just like headed home and I turned down forest street and all of a sudden I look over and I see like Metallica road cases, like holy shit. Like I would just pull over <clears throat> and just post up. Well, I mean, also I know people in the Metallica camp, so I could just text them and be like, yo, what's going on? You know, but, <laughs> but still, I mean, how exciting that had to have been. I mean, just from the 7 a.m. walking your dog, seeing the road cases to like getting back in line and seeing them change the marquee, like, oh, this is happening. Yeah, it was really, it was wild. It, we, and it was literally a what the fuck moment. Like I, that's the first thing I said. And then after we processed it, it right there in the morning on the street, my wife literally said, well, what the fuck yeah. are we going to do? So, <laughs> right. So the only thing to do is kind of scope it out and stand in line, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, so once they open the box office, it, it, uh, um, are you getting your ticket and then just getting back in line just to wait for doors kind of thing? No, it was actually, it was really well run. Like it's like everything Metallica does these days, right? It's all super well produced, really right. well run. Um, and so, yeah, it was great. You had to, you know, I, I think one of the reasons that they were maybe able to justify cramming 500 people into a venue um, right now is because San Francisco, you know, has very high vac vaccination rate and a very high, like, um, or very low transmission rate for COVID. Yeah. Great. Um, if you think about it, like millions of dollars are at stake. These dudes are 60 years old, you know, like they're super healthy, but their crew may not be like all the people, their entourage, like, and yeah. those, you know, um, and like, and kind of everybody in their community needs to be protected. And and, and, and whenever they do stuff for rehearsals or their live streams, I mean, it's, you know, a couple, you know, my, mostly my friend Wes, who's been on the show, who works for them. I mean, he'll tell me like how, how strict everything is, you know, he's like, man, I'm getting tested like twice a day and this and that, you know, so it's, they're, they're, they're a pretty, you know, pretty closed off bubble when it comes to this kind of stuff uh, in these yeah, times. Yeah. So. Yeah, and my sense is that they're doing that to just protect the ability for people to have the experience mm -hmm. and the ability for their all the people who work with them and for them to be able to maintain their their jobs and their living, right? Right. And, and continue to give this awesome experience to everybody. So I, you know, I would just say thank you to everybody who set up. I met a bunch of people who in the crew. Um, and so if anybody's listening to this, thank you. You did an awesome <laughs> job. You were awesome. I don't know if you um, met Wes. <laughs> Wes Wes works I, for them, but I didn't, but I heard the name. I heard he was probably out there by the truck at some point unloading stuff for sure. That's yeah, cool. Uh, I mean, which is probably why I, I'm I'm remembering it because I stood by the truck for a while. He looks like <laughs> a young Robert De Niro. We always we used to tease him. <laughs> yeah, there was that. a okay, fair enough. There was a guy there that fits that description. For oh yeah, sure. that's um, that's Wes. <laughs> okay, so that was Wes. All right. Well, thank you, Wes. Yeah, Wes. 
Um, but yeah, so I, that's all that to say we, we had to show our VAX cards. Um, so that was like a very strict requirement. Um, and then basically it was like $19 and 81 cents. So which cool. I, um, and they just took a $20 bill. Um, so if you had that and your VAX card, you're, you're kind of in, they gave you a wristband and the wristband is, um, you can see it on the zoom here, but it's a yeah. black with red text on it that basically just, uh, says 738 days since our last live audience. Wow. Um, so you could tell they were down to the wristband. They were like ready to roll. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I mean, like, like you said before, man, that, that band is so organized and so detailed with uh, anything they do especially when they put on cool special shows like this, you know, it's like even little, you know, it's like they could have just done regular old wristbands, but it's like, no, let's make custom wristbands for, you know, it's like pretty, pretty awesome. Totally. And it, yeah. And the wristband had the message on it, you know, and so like everybody's reading the wristband, looking at it. Um, and, uh, they gave us a little, a little card here. This is like, you know, Metallica, the independent. And then it's like six bullet points of like, this is the shit you need to know mm -hmm. <laughs> about the show. And, um, so that was, I guess like two ish, 2 30 3 o'clock when everybody got their tickets and then the doors basically they said do not come back until 6 30. Ah, so, okay so, so that so they didn't want people getting their ticket and then just lining back up yeah that 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 was the deal so and the cops were there and i think the thing is, is the, the sidewalks there are super narrow right and it's just like a busy street people have to like kind of like live in the neighborhood and so if you have like 500 Metallica fans descending on the neighborhood for all day. day. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not tenable. So that so, probably worked out good for you having to go back to go back to work a little bit and stuff like that. And yeah, it was awesome. I went back to work. Um, kind of told some of my colleagues, they were laughing at me because they all think I'm sort of, sort of this like, yeah, you know, like we're used to it. May not, it may not be that cool. You still like <laughs> so, that band. Uh. So, uh, but yeah, it was cool. Uh, got some work done and then kind of like went out and um, there was a, a black and whiskey tasting event next door that kind of the, the buzz got out and everybody was feeling it. Um, so that was, there's a club next door that's like an arcade. It's like an arcade for grownups. Cool. I love those. Like pinball machines and stuff. They actually have a Metallica pinball machine there. Um, and that was free play the whole night, which was cool. Awesome. So a bunch of people gathered around like playing pinball. It was pretty fun. Um, and then, yeah, we and then kind of ate, ate some food and went, gotten, got back in line. So, man, that's so cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm still, it's feels surreal. Like you've been just, oh yeah. And then, there's millions of people around the world that have had so much FOMO about this, you know, on, you know, on the other night, but yeah. So, okay. So, uh, I saw it too. So, so obviously you get back in line, doors open, uh, what were doors like seven thirty? Yeah, doors were, I'm looking at the card right now, doors were 7.30, show started at 8.30, it actually started a little bit later than that, I would say, um, and that was that was pretty much it, I mean, it's like there's a cash bar in the back, and that's it. It's yeah, like, and then I saw oh. that I saw that they, they had a merch set up with literally one shirt, right? Yeah, there was one shirt, um, I can show it to you on the Zoom here and kind of describe it, it's like... Uh, oh, Squindo uh, did this one. Yeah, Squindo did it, um, and it's basically like the Pandemica, like scary guy. Oh, uh, with a mask on. <laughs> That's funny. And he's hovering above, or she, I don't know, is hovering above the when the uh, independent. No, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, right. that's cool. I saw Squ uh, yeah, Squindo posted the artwork after the the day after the show, or maybe after they announced the thing or whatever. But yeah, I mean, obviously it'd have been cool to go in there and have other you know Metallica merch items to choose from, but also kind of bitching that they just like you walk in, it's like one shirt option and it's but it's specific to that show so it's like other than like you know stupid flippers maybe throwing them on ebay it's like it's pretty you know a pretty unique shirt to have yeah it's it's awesome it was cool there was a unique, a unique kind of limited edition run um one of the uh limo drivers for them i like i ran into him in the neighborhood and he was like can you get me a shirt man those shirts are awesome <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're the limo so, driver man yeah we helped hook him up it was good um but I mean, that was the kind of thing that was going on. It was just like this neighborhood buzz. You had the bartender across the street, yeah. he was like stoked. You got, I met another guy in line who was a city worker for San Francisco. His story was pretty cool. Um, he like does the stoplights in San Francisco. Wow. He them. And he was driving with one of his, one of his uh, coworkers and like through the neighborhood. Right. And the, and he said the radio announcement happened. Ah, okay. And um, I don't know if it was on like the bone or some other like local radio station or whatever, but you know, he, he, he says like, they literally did a U-turn, went to the venue and he just like, w you know, was able to jump in line and get one of the last tickets. I would have so done now the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, but that's what I meant about like the band being 
really cool about the Bay Area in particular when they do these shows. They, mm-hmm. they do make them. I don't know how they engineer this, but they made like this show felt like such an interesting cross section of the local, you know, set of people, right? Like right. just the kind of local community. Like you have all these people who, yeah, yeah, like just kind of got got able, you know, you got presented with a chance to go to see the show, right? And yeah. it's like a whole bunch of people that I, you know, maybe I walk by every day, but maybe didn't know. You know, we're in them until well now you'll you, now you'll walk, you go walk your dog in the morning and have that have that show from the, the shirt from the independent on and then see another dude walking his dog with the same shirt on like yeah dude we were there together exactly yeah you, so you have a um, thing now for with with your neighbors for sure um and i think that's that's kind of how they they try to get back and respect the community here in san francisco because it gave them so much um, yeah, man. over the years which is really cool so that's awesome yeah i would say back back to your shirt though like i think it's a really good point because one thing I would say just about the show generally is that it was like stripped down. Yeah. I mean, like right now, obviously people can't see this, but even like your zoom background is a photo of the stage setup, And it's like, it's almost like what they would do on like on maybe a late night show or something. It's just like four cabinets, a drum riser and that's it. Like you, you know, you, the stage is so clean looking, you can't see cabling, anything like that, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, and there, there's no logo behind them. Yeah. It just was a like black house, curtain house curtains. Um, no fancy lights, no video. I mean, there's, no there, there's, there's less guitar cabinets on stage than, than when they actually were playing through guitar cabinets. Like, on, you know, if you look at like the old, that old show from the Metro in Chicago from the Kill em yes. All tour, like there's more amps on stage for that than there are for this. Yeah, for sure. And well, you know, so it's funny you mentioned Metro because that was like where I was, that's what I wanted to actually say about the show, um, was actually to say that I've personally, uh, always wanted to have an experience like that and mm-hmm. i've seen them you know i've been fortunate enough to see them a lot of times and i'm very grateful for it um most of those times have been in larger venues or outside sure. or you know and and i remember just as a kid and even just you know during uh, metallica mondays when they when they did that one and uh, just over the pandemic uh, yeah. shut down um and republished that that particular video for some reason it's just so I think it just captures the moment. It's just like a bunch of people sort of like pumping fists. Mm-hmm. Like they're not even doing devil horns yet because right. they just don't know. It's like so new, right? Totally. And just pumping their fists at the front of the stage. And you've got just this like band with this energy that was just so unique and different, right? Yeah. And uh, watching that has always made me just go, man, bucket list for Metallica is club. And here we are now. You're t- now. You're, are, now so. you're now. Thousands of people are going to hear you talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, so no. yeah, kind of walk us through. You, you get in there, like where you know, how quickly could you get in there, and where you know what what kind of spot in the vintage you get? Well, I, I got. I usually go up. Yeah, the the, the entry was easy. Like it, again, it was all super orderly. Everybody was just, I think, really excited to be able to be there, and so people were really respectful of everyone. I mean, it was just a fun show. Like just the vibe was just really fun, and cool. like nobody had any attitude. I think everybody felt really comfortable. So you just kind of like, yes, yeah, easy entry. There were only you know five hundred people in the whole venue, um, and I think that might have. It seemed to me I've been there where there've been higher capacity events. Yeah. Maybe they wanted to be a little loose. More people in there, I think, than were there tonight that night. So, like, I don't know if they actually like controlled capacity and actually reduced it a little bit, so it was there was more room for people. Mm -hmm. But there was like a little bit more breathing room, which was nice. Might have been some COVID situation too. They don't want to (laughs) like, right, right. um, You know, like really increase a risk that's already there that we're trying to manage down. But whatever. Um, But yeah, it was it was easy. You got in. got a drink. Everybody's kind of like hanging out at the bar in the back and then, and then just kind of moved up to the front. Um, uh, Edgar was like front, uh, stage, right. I'm sure he was right um, up there. On, yeah. <laughs> on the Robert side, um, like literally right up next to the right up next to the stage. And I just kind of, we were behind him with a cluster of other people, uh, maybe five, six rows back, um, just to, you know, on the Robert side, I'm usually on the Kirk side, which is actually kind of interesting. I like yeah. to watch uh, do his solos, but I also love Robert. Yeah, man, for sure. And, uh, and I know how, I know what, like the, you know, the shows I saw, like on the world wired tour, I know how excited I was just to walk in the venue and just see like Lars's kit sitting there or whatever. But yes. I just can't imagine <laughs> that feeling of walking into a venue that small and looking up on stage and be like, Holy shit, this is really happening. 
Yeah, it was it was wild. The whole thing was like completely just like surreal. Yeah, um, man. It, it, it was one of those things that looked hyper real, I think, just because my brain was trying to process it. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and we were so close and the lighting was so clean. Be- and, and like to your point about the stage, the state and I can send you that picture. So maybe you can post it, yeah. um, you know, or whatever. So people can see kind of what we're talking about. But it um, but yeah, it was it was like everything was just like very, very uh, the presence of the whole event was very crisp. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so cool, man. So exciting. And especially, you know, I mean, obviously they've done live stream stuff and really cool stuff that we've gotten to check out, you know, you know, they've, they've kept, they've kept their fans entertained over the last, you know, 18 months or whatever. But, totally. but to the fact that it's been seven and 38 days since their last live show is just insane. And, and, and the fact that you got to see it, the first one back is pretty cool. And even on, if you go to, you know, I'm sure everyone goes to Metallica.com to look at set lists and stuff like that. But there's, there's way more photos on their website than they posted on social media. And there's, a ton of great just it just even just looking at i'm looking at them right now and there's just so many great moments and they look so happy and so stoked to be back on stage and man what a cool thing but um yeah i mean let's uh maybe kind of walk through the through the set list because there's some gems in here for sure oh wow i mean for for the old school metallica heads like this was this was a banger it was awesome yeah it was totally awesome. Well, and it's pretty public um, knowledge now that, like, you know, this is the first show. I think um, Ryan from Speak and Destroy, the other podcast, who's a friend of mine, posted. I think this is the first time that Nothing Else Matters and Inner Sandman haven't been in the set at the same time. Have not played it since 2012, I think. Something like that. Um, there's been times where Nothing Else Matters has not been in there for whatever reason. But but it's such a staple, those two songs, to close the show with. So, like, the second I saw the set list, I was like, whoa, they didn't even do those. That's, I, I could see Nothing Else Matters, but, like, they didn't even close the Sandman. It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I have some it, – it's interesting, too, because, like, they're doing the Black Album celebration, right? And my, I, my, my brain actually thought this might be a Black Album, uh, fl- you know, front to back. Yeah, that which or, which or would make sense, start, right? Like start with struggle and go all the way back to Sandman. And yeah, Sandman. totally. They've done that. They've done that before. I think um, that's what I thought this might be because I thought it might be a promo for this sort of old Black Album celebration. Right. Um, my other thought was that they were going to actually just strip it down and do, um, you know, like Kill 'Em All or a set like the Metro mm-hmm. because it was, you know, I guess like the first time they ever played in San Francisco was 1982. Today, like we're filming this or doing doing this podcast on september 18th right so i saw some somebody share that i think it was brian lou shared that this morning okay on instagram or it might have been murder in the front row but um anyway like so i it's kind of like this interesting I, I didn't know what what to expect but so they they did ecstasy of gold it was amazing i mean it's just like it always is <laughs> and, um and it's 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 especially real at that point the lights go out and ecstasy of gold starts you're like okay I see all their gear. I saw the cases early. I got a ticket, but like, holy shit, they're about yeah. to walk on this little, little tiny stage. Totally. And like the, the, you know, everybody knows it. Everybody was singing along with that and it was just loud, you know, mm-hmm. but, but the sound in that venue is really good. Um, I don't know why I'm not a sound expert, but it's really a great place. Yeah. <laughs> you walk in and you kind of don't think it's going to be that good. You're like, this might be a disaster. Sound like. <laughs> sure. Like, sonically, this show might be terrible. Um, but the independent is just known for its kind of like acoustics, I guess. That's and great. Just being good, good small venue. So yeah, we get through ecstasy of gold and they run up on stage and everybody's just like, yeah, shit, this is real. It's happening. Like, it's happening. And, uh, I saw James had his, uh, had his like white flying V out there and I was like, Hmm, you know, and then Lars, Lars didn't, he like did one wave to the crowd and then it was just basically like drum entro and whiplash and we were all like. Fuck yes. Yeah, and apparently this is the first time they, <laughs> like, they've they like, ever opened with Whiplash. Yeah, they've never. I read that too. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay. You're, this is what you're going to do for us tonight, I guess. <laughs> so crazy, man. It's just so nuts. Um, um, wow. But yeah, instantly, the, the right, there's a writer in the SF Gate, uh, which is our local paper here online, and she was at the show. She's actually a Metallica fan, I guess, um, and knows some people in the band, got on the guest list or whatever to write about the show. She wrote in her article, she said the whole the whole floor was a, mo- a mosh pit. Yeah. For for uh, Whiplash. And that's like, I, I will second that. That was true. Right. Full on, like the entire floor was a pit. It's also a great way to lose your spot. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily no one circled really. The no, circle just more more of like a move, like a like, yeah, like slam kind of, dancing as they used to call yeah, it. Yeah, it was like slam dancing, right? Um, that's a good way to put it. But yeah, the circle formed for sure. But it was like, yeah, everybody kind of held their spot for the first song. Cool. What a great opening, man. That and a ride the lightning, geez. Oh yeah, and then into ride, and then you know the ride was like, I don't know if they've been practicing that song, but that was one of the tightest versions I've seen live. Like it was just like everything was firing. That's right? cool. You know, like Lars kept really kept a solid beat back there, and like just all the all the little intricate parts were very crisp. Um, you know, so there was no sign to me that they had been like not playing yeah totally i think lars especially i mean um, he's the most active on social media maybe next to kirk but you know he's posted so much over the last 18 months of not playing shows of of him just practicing and stuff and 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 some of the live stream stuff they have done it's like in or like on tv and whatever like kimmel whatever it's it's very obvious you know as someone who is a musician who also plays drums it's like it's very obvious that he's been putting in the time yeah you know i mean his his drumming has is really tightened up over the last year and I'm really stoked for it. Yeah. And that showed. So, I mean, just for, for what it's worth y'all out there, he's, if you get to see him in this next run of shows, yeah, man, <laughs> you're ready. <laughs> so cool. So, yeah. And then they went, went into memory, which is cool. James made a little joke about that beforehand. Like before he opened the song, I think he said something like, yo, y'all might remember this one or something like that. Yeah. This is one of our thrash <laughs> classics. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, and then they then they took a little break, um, like just to, to catch a breather. I mean, th- that was a very aerobic, like three song, just like rip. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the energy they brought was was really really insane. And I think the crowd needed they everybody needed a little bit of a like let's reset for a second here and catch our breath. And so that was, um, you know, I think that if there was one sort of lower point, it was uh, now that we're dead. I actually love that song. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure personally how much I love it live, right? Um, but it was a uh, it was a nice. I see. I understand why they did it. These guys again. I've said it before. These guys are almost sixty years old. Yeah, totally. Exactly. <laughs> and they're up there, like playing like they're ten, you know, fifteen. So, right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was useful for them to take a little break, and then, um, and then, yeah, deep cut like holier than thou. Love that. I mean, they just played that on Kimmel too, so that's probably you know something that maybe they're going to be uh, playing at some of these festivals. And I'd imagine too, because you know the the Louisville show coming up, and or a, lot, a lot of the festivals are doing two nights at. They're they're talking about doing two kind of unique sets each night. Obviously, the staples will be there, like Sandman and stuff. But maybe yeah. some of these, you know, the holier than thou, you know, the the no leaf clover, or whatever. Maybe maybe they're just gearing up to have a lot of rotating slots for these festivals. Yeah, I think I think they've got an opportunity to do that, and they're also doing a bunch of festivals in Europe, right? So they may be they may be doing some practice for like the your their european set list right <laughs> like, yeah I, I hope yeah i hope at some of these festivals we get some of the some of the kind of indexed to europe songs that yeah they play. for um, sure man yeah and, and holier is such a good you know that's kind of one of the more i always joke that it's like kind of one of the thrash ish songs on on the black album you know because that i mean that holier than our riff to me is just like an extension of the master of puppets riff yeah you know just sure. like, you know um, even the way it's played, it's literally only one fret off of how you start master of the, the, the second riff of master of puppets. It's pretty, they're pretty similar. Yeah. Hey, look, I man. hadn't made that. Kind of, that's exactly right. Um, I'm going to go listen to those two tracks today. Yeah. It's crazy, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, holier than that was awesome. And they just like ripped that one, uh, just like they did on Kimmel, which was great. So, yeah. um, I don't know. And then, uh, Clover was cool. Like just to get into the, you know, um, kind of fan involvement there. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of the token, like, you know, let's all kind of get together. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I mean, realize they're, that we're all together in this 500 person. Yeah. Room. And that's one of those songs. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorites, it's probably my top 10 Metallica songs ever. And, uh, man, to be able to see that, you know, no, no orchestra, obviously in a small club would have been, would have been pretty awesome. Yeah. It was, it was very cool. There was a moment, you know, they, they put the house lights up for the, for the end yeah um and there was a point where lars, lars mentioned something i think he was like you guys just keep fucking singing <laughs> <laughs> i know right that's <laughs> like, what we do we wanted to we were thought we were going to stop basically yeah um, you kept going so um yeah that was that was a great rend- like 
great execution of that track as well. That's cool. Um, yeah. And then I guess if we're just going clipping down the list, like Sabbath true, like, yeah. I mean, they always like that. I, I've seen James play that song a bunch um, in the last, he's played every show I've been to in the last six years. It's, it's pretty and, much a staple at this point, you know? Yeah. It's a staple. And I think he just personally, like from a James perspective, like watching him play it, he loves that song. Mm-hmm, for sure. I and, mean, yeah. and it's fun <laughs> to play if you're a guitar. I don't know if you, I don't know if you're, you're a musician or not, but um, it's just one. Yeah, I play, I, I can like play the guitar. I could do like power chords. I could play like some riffs, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a musician, <laughs> but, that, but that's, but you know, it's any guitar player will know that if you, if you're in a metallic man, it's, that's one of those songs that's so fun to play. Cause it's not super hard, not rhythmically. And, uh, you know, a while back I got this, this guitar pedal because I needed it. Um, instead of changing guitars a ton, it, it actually, it's like a detuning pedal essentially. Okay. And Sabbath true is, you know, in, in musical terms is tuned a whole step down. So instead if a guitar is in like a, a E a four forty tuning, this is in D so that's like the album version and you know when i was growing up it was like is this drop i I didn't know how to play it and then but every anytime i have to use this one pedal that detunes my guitar i always set it to the whole step down and it's the first thing (laughs) i always play because it just has that thing if you if you play it in normal tuning it just doesn't sound even though you're playing it exactly the same it doesn't have that thing that it does if it's tuned down so yeah no that i mean so it's like your reference song then Mm -hmm, for sure (laughs) get that get that pedal going and i love they did moth into flame too because it's you know that's kind of one of the thrashers you know on hardwired you know my my wife who was who also got a ticket was at the show like and has been to a few shows with me recently um since hardwired um that song is she she even calls out she's like that song is like could have been written a long time ago it's i mean we've we've gloated about that song so many times that it's a it's a modern classic it's, it's 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 exceptional it's like really one of their best mm-hmm. uh, like recent works and absolutely uh, and, it, and, it, and it just plays like live it's awesome oh yeah because they can kind of flub a few things here and there they can kind of play it a little more raw um it, you know they they can they don't have to kind of make it this perfect tight technical masterpiece mm-hmm. right and you get, so, you, so you get a little bit of looseness to it live. right um uh, where they're just kind of, you know, and Kirk's Kirk, Kirk always does a little bit of something different with that solo, but that solo is just like, mm-hmm. that's one of, one of them, one of the better. Ones. Oh yeah, for sure, um, man. That's, that's so, so cool. So yeah, that, that was great. Um, and I think everybody was really just excited to hear that one. Um, and by this point we're all like, shit, <laughs> like, what where, where are we going <laughs> right this, the set list is already like, super unique and stuff like that you know and it's been you know come up here this isn't necessarily the the most rare thing but it, whenever it happens it's pretty cool there's usually a, a one-two punch with you know ride the lightning but we got three three lightning songs in a row here which is pretty awesome oh yeah which is why i said local local bay area thrashers like yeah get ready right because the back half of this is just all of it it's insane. I'm just looking at the set list right now, like wow. It was it was insane. And by this point, I was I was like getting kind of like I mean I was still just getting used to the fact that we were still in this building, mm-hmm. right? And they've played half the set, and then it was like, you know, fade to black comes up, and that was really nice because it was another kind of break for people. Yeah, because it's just been so fr- like I would just say like frantic, mm-hmm. like the pay and the pace too. Like they were playing these songs like, you know. Probably right at album pace, or yeah. like high. Like the energy was just high. That's cool. So, so that's another thing that you just need to understand about like being, you know, all the songs we've talked about so far. Like it was a very consistent, with the exception of that. Now that we're dead, sort of slower, kind of um, everything else, kind of hit exactly what it was supposed to be. Right. right? Yeah. That's cool. Uh, so then, fade to black was nice, uh, as it always is. And I was thinking, okay, probably bells. Yeah. And, and of course, and that was like the obvious transition. Um, and then we didn't really know, and that, that was great. I mean, it was, you know, it's fun to see Rob, like do that song justice. Oh yeah. Um, he plays it and, great. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah. And then creep creeping death was like the, the one where like that, I mean, that's still one of my favorite Metallica songs. Oh yeah. Um, probably my top three. Um, and actually like, I think, Battery and Creeping Death were are two of my top three, I think. Yeah. Um, 
especially live and you don't get battery all the time. And we'll talk about that in a second, but yeah. creeping deaths was like, that's also a staple. Of course. <laughs> like that's yeah. in a lot of shows. It's almost, actually, it's been in almost everyone last six years. I've been, um, if I go back sort of that far, um, and it like, yeah, it, that, that just like lit up the, I mean, the place just was like, if we weren't electric before that we, we hit, there was another gear. Oh, like, I'm sure. Like, yeah. You thought you hit the, the top of the mountain and then all of a sudden creeping death starts. Totally. And that's where the circle pit was. Yeah. That was really, like literally the, and that was like the whole, the whole, everybody was touched by that circle. Yeah. Pit. That's <laughs> it awesome. Was not, it was going to find you. That's so cool. That is so cool. <laughs> <It was> great. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, so yeah, Creeping Death was really cool. And then, um, let me see, I lost it for a second here. One, so you know, they did like the one tape, like a shortened version of the one intro with all the, you know, helicopters and stuff, which was cool. Right, yeah. Um, and then one was like, I, I would just say it was just like everything else. It was just played, they played it super straightforward, really raw, like lots of emotion, lots of energy to it. Um, and it just was like, yeah, it was just kind of perfect. That's so uh, cool, man. <laughs> I don't know. And the fidelity of this of these songs, I still can't believe like that venue for them. I, I like it it really uh had a lot of like clarity to the yeah and a lot of like just linear sound coming at you. Yeah. Really- I mean that's what's great about certain venues, man. I mean, because we've all been in other venues where the sound is just terrible and, and you know that the band normally sounds good or whatever, whoever it is. And it's always just a bummer. It's like, man, because I always try when I go to shows, you know, I always try to kind of stand right in front of front of house. Because if you've got a, fr- a good front of house engineer, I mean that's where it's going to sound best. Because it's you yeah, know sure. yeah, that's where he's mixing it. But um, but that's that's it's great that your experience was this venue already has you know great audio uh, audio setup. So yeah, and they they uh, made it shine I think really well in there. Um, Master puppets. I mean, what can you say? Can't go wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong. That was like I actually didn't do a lot of filming, um, but I love that track and i filmed almost the whole thing i thought that was one where i sat back as a as a person in the audience and i just said you know what like i gotta capture something and i'm gonna capture this so there wasn't like a no cell phone policy or anything like that no they i mean if they if they had one they didn't let anybody know about it i guess though (laughs) it it wasn't like it was a secret show while the show was going on it was it was fully announced at that point everyone every metallica fan knew about it so at that point it's like uh you know what are we gonna do so that's cool um so was there when they went off stage for the encore? Were you just expecting them to come out, come out with something like Battery, which is what they did, and then nothing else matters than Sandman? I yeah, I actually thought that might be it. I thought it might actually. Well, I thought it might have been Battery or Seek. Yeah, and nothing Sandman. That's that's actually what I thought. Uh, yeah, and but yeah, so when they came out with Battery, it was not confusing at all. It felt right. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and it, that makes sense. I mean, at the, I was at um, AT&T Park for Too Heavy for Halftime. Cool. And they play Battery there. I watched that sitting right where you're watching me right now with a huge bowl of popcorn in my lap. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, that was a fun That was a fun show. And that was like the first time they played in a long time Yeah. Um, live anywhere. And they were a little rusty, but it was just awesome. It was great. And um, they, they played Battery there. And I was just like, the San Francisco, there's, there's something like, I think people here understand that that song is about here mm-hmm. and it is about their experience playing clubs in downtown San Francisco. Yeah, for sure. Getting off the ground. And that is that, so it's special that they play it here. And I think that that, that came through loud and clear. I mean, there's, you got a lot of people who are local here who happen to be in the room with them. Right. And I think they just wanted to like honor that, like that, just that connection. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, and so they played that and they played that, that might've been the one, like, I think the two, the two that really just like went into different gears for me were creep and, and uh, battery. Yeah. That's so cool. Like, and, um, and how about fuel being in the encore? That's so crazy, man. Dude, I, I was, that was the one where I was a little bit confused. I was like, that's in the encore. I know. Right. Um, but it was great. It was great. It was like, I think it's, that song is very accessible yet. And I think, I also think it's another song that like, james really loves playing mm-hmm. yeah for sure um, i just yeah, i just get a different energy and a vibe from him when i see when i watch him play and it was really fun to watch him play it he just had a big smile on his face and he was just like windmilling the guitar yeah <laughs> like, dude i mean overall like, i'm sure that you know just those dudes 
feeling the energy from a crowd for the first time in over 700 days has got had to have been just you know euphoric yeah and that that is i I would say that's absolutely true like i mean even kirk who's always got this like mad scientist expression on his face like he was smiling yeah you know like like way more than normal you know and rob was just doing rob doing things so that's so cool man that's so awesome (laughs) um so yeah, so I mean, Fuel was great. They just kind of like they play, and they played that kind of punky, thrashy. Yeah, they they tend to play that one faster usually. Yeah, it was it was definitely a little bit faster than Alvu Pace, and definitely a little bit like rougher. Yeah, I would say like they just didn't kind of. It's like they just kind of wing it. Yeah, for sure. More, um, which was cool, and I think people appreciated that. And then, then it was Seek and Destroy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, good ender for sure. I mean. I mean, when they finish oh. <laughs> when they finish Seek, you had to have thought like, well, surely they're going to play Sandman, and then all of a sudden, like, oh wait, that's it, crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, there was a moment there where I was like, okay, so Sandman, are they going to do it or not? Um, the one thing I would say about Seek, there was a really funny moment where Rob, and this will give you like a perspective, I think, of like how small the stage was. You know, Rob loves to do his like, you know, spin around with the bass. No, the windmill, yeah, the heli- helicopter. The Rob helicopter, right? The Robocopter. Braids flying everywhere you know big bass guitar just right going and uh we got to that moment and he tried <laughs> and he couldn't he couldn't do it not enough space wow he, he, he realized he was gonna like knock over lars's like hi-hat and basically like hit kirk in the face oh my gosh that's amazing and so he's like uh what do i do what do i do so that was actually one of the funny moments where people who picked up on that everybody was kind of chuckling because that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool kind of, he felt out of water a little bit, but then he, he actually he held the guitar and spun. Yeah. Um, instead of kind of do the windmill thing. But that's that was Seek and Destroy. And then, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, everybody was kind of like, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? And then James pulled his uh, monitors out, like his little earphones. His in your monitors, yeah. Yeah, that's usually when you know, like, the band's done. It's like if they're pulling the in-ears out of their, out of their ear canals, you know, uh, it's like, okay, then we're done. Um, yeah. Man, what a cool experience, dude. I, I You know, obviously... I'm jealous. I had FOMO that day. Um, nothing I can do about it living, you know, 2,400 miles away. But uh, yeah, that's so cool. And that you got to experience that, you know, especially as early as 7 a.m. to see those cases coming out of the truck. And, um, and dude, I, I just appreciate you uh, coming on here to tell your story and tell, uh, walk us through the day. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I would just say, like, thank you as well. And thanks to the band and their, their crew, especially. Like, those guys were fun. I met a bunch of them. Um, and, uh, it was just cool to hang out and kind of just have an old school gig. Yeah, um, man. Very unique experience. I will, uh, you know, it's bucket list. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm for all of you who have FOMO, I, I, uh, I totally get it and understand. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, definitely my goal here, sort of the thought here was just to be able to share a little bit back, uh, with everybody, um, and just kind of give give a little insight into what it, what it was like. Um, yeah. So, but I do feel slightly guilty for all my other Metallica friends out there. Well, you but should not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just, you know, even though I'm hosting this thing, I, I still, the whole, you know, everything you're talking about, about the whole day and the excitement and the anticipation, I felt it, man. It's like, man, you know, I know that feeling of walking into a Metallica show, especially your first one or on a new tour or whatever, even into an arena or a stadium. And that's exciting and electric and, but I can't imagine that those goosebumps walking into a 500 cap club and seeing this. So thanks again, dude, for, uh, yeah. for walking us through the whole thing, man. I appreciate it. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me and awesome podcast and keep it running, man. Hey everyone, Clinton Ethan here. And we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slang Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tales series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast 
and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. 